Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. This is the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on WDVE Pittsburgh. Here are your hosts, Mike Brazuda and Matt Williamson. Good evening and welcome to another Thursday night edition of the Preview. Mike Brasuda along with Matt Williamson. We're here until 8 o'clock tonight on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. We're getting you ready for the Steelers hosting the Seattle Seahawks Sunday night at Heinz Field, but Matt, I don't know about you. I'm going to be just a little bit off my game tonight. <laughs> we haven't done this after a victory since after uh, the Buffalo I game. I thought you were going to the hoagies we just put away. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a little different, a little different feel. I mean, could you imagine what the city would be like if they didn't win that game against Denver or let it slip away from them? But I do think there's a lot of positive to take away from it. I mean, you look at the opponent this week, and I'm sure we'll talk about the quarterback situation plenty very winnable game going to the bye. I think there should be some some optimism. I'll say guarded optimism because yeah. to me, this whole thing, uh, Denver, Seattle, the two home games before the bye at one and three, that feels like one long game to me. If you, <laughs> okay. If you get two wins, yeah. now you're three and three, exhale, relax, chill, bye week's coming, you figure some stuff out, get some guys a little healthier, maybe be a little better on the restart. Sure than you were at the start of the season, you know, for a longer stretch than that Buffalo game Mm -hmm. and maybe get back in the hunt. Uh, Two and four going into the bye. Yeah. Uh, One and five, forget about it. You're looking at a Mount Everest-like climb. Absolutely, especially in this division, uh, as well as the other teams are playing. They have some tough games coming up, too. Um, And and one thing about these two opponents – I don't think either one's going to run away and hide from you. I mean, we said this a week ago at Denver. They're not going to jump up to a 25-point lead and you have to abandon the run. I mean, I think they're the right two teams to play right now in terms of, hey, if you punt and run the ball a bunch, that's okay. You know, they're going to be low-scoring games. I think I said 100 times last week, if they hand the ball to Najee Harris three times in a row and end up punting, that's going to pay off in the end, and there's some some value to that, and I still believe it in this game. Some more good news on the practice participation report for today. For the second consecutive day, Cam Sutton and Devin Bush, both full participants. Sutton missing 
the win over the Broncos with a groin, and Bush uh, didn't finish the Broncos game because mm-hmm. of a groin. Ben Roethlisberger back to full participation today. They listed him as out yesterday with a pectoral slash hip, but he doesn't practice on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, anyway. right, right. Uh, Melvin Ingram returning to full participation. He had the day off yesterday. Do you uh, just think that's been because of such usage? I mean, he's been on, this, on the field a lot more than I think they planned when they signed him. I I would hope Imagine. that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually a little concerning. Yeah, sure. But when you're one and three, oh, you, you're, you're worried, you you're worried about right now, not week 13. Mm-hmm. And that, that three linebacker, three outside linebacker stuff was interesting. It was. It don't, was. And, and I think Ingram can do a lot of that. He did a lot of it in San Diego, too. Don't know if it generated the rush they necessarily hoped it True. would. But, uh, hey, they're trying stuff. They're uh, – one thing you got to say about the Steelers' defense, uh, they're not afraid to mix it up, try different things from week to week, get very opponent-specific. Yeah, they do. They do. There's no question about that. They're a little more creative, I think, than most people give them credit for. Uh, interesting entry onto the practice report today. Not that it figures to alter the balance of power on Sunday, but cornerback uh, Akello Witherspoon showed up as did not practice coach's decision. That's a little odd, isn't it? And I don't know if that's disciplinary. Okay. Uh, I you know, he wasn't on the report Wednesday. Uh, it's not like he needs a rest because sure. he's playing so much. <laughs> right. It, that whole situation's a little odd to me, and I know we only have an hour here, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on a guy that's not playing a lot. But I do think a huge key there is I don't know if everybody out there realizes how high they are on Justin Lane as a special teamer. So it, if you, can't, you don't get a helmet because you're not a core special teamer, and now Sutton's back. I don't know that we'll see him anytime in the near future. Yeah, I wonder if Witherspoon realizes that. Right, right. Usually, I let the guys who aren't going to play on Sunday practice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Coach's exactly. decision is curious, but uh, that's the way that is. Carlos Davis limited again. I don't know if we're going to see him. He's been out for a while with a knee. And, uh, that's a guy, speaking of trying to generate more pressure, he showed some pass rush potential in the preseason. He's a good athlete. And hasn't showed up yet because he hasn't yeah. been available. They, they could use another body there to rotate in and, you know, a fresh guy off the bench. Uh, nothing out of Seattle yet, but uh, we do know Russell Wilson's not going to play. Right. And, uh, boy, you'll take that ten times out of five. I, I mean, it's a gift. I mean, this team to me, and I don't mean to overstate it because there's a lot of great quarterbacks out there, and all the teams, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay a couple weeks ago, are – ultra-reliant on their quarterback. But I look at Seattle, and without getting too big picture, I think the way they're built is very, very fragile. Um, they, they value first-round picks, and the way that they use their early picks and the money and trading for Jamal Adams differently than other teams, to put it kindly. And with him, Wilson, him and Carroll, to me, will figure out a way to get in the playoffs and be disruptive and be the – eight to 10th best team in the league, even though they have some faults without them. I think those faults just get massively exposed. And that's not a knock on Geno Smith, who to me is probably a middle of the road backup quarterback. And that's not a negative statement, but he's kind of hard to wrap your head around too. Cause I'm not exactly sure what he is right now. He hasn't played very much in the last five years. Yeah. Last start was in 2017. Yeah. Uh, 29 of his 31 career starts were in 2013 and 2014 when he was a rookie. It and didn't then go a, well. Then a first and, year you know, right, right. With the Jets. Who were right, tough situation. The Jets. Of course. Nobody's making a career out of that since Joe Namath. <laughs> no. Uh, but he's a guy that's been around. Second year with the Seahawks. He was with the current offensive coordinator prior to that okay. with the Chargers. Yeah. 
And he's been practicing. Presumably, he's been playing in the preseason. Mm-hmm. He's been growing and maturing. I mean, he has some ability. He I can't a say early he's, pick he's and, not right. going to be able to play. And he looked good last week coming off yeah. the bench. I mean, it was limited time. Um, Wilson's a special player, so comparing the two isn't fair. But to just say that this guy is, you know, someone's going to be in over his head as a youngster. He's been around the league a while. There's ability there. Anyone watched him at w, WVU realized, you know, he was a great college player. He was a pretty high draft pick. Throws the ball pretty well. Decent athlete. Uh, a big key, and I don't know if this has changed. I, 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 again, there's, there's no data to go off of, is I think Seattle's so fragile, especially because of their defense, which we'll talk at length about tonight, I'm sure. But the one thing they did really well was they didn't turn the ball over. I mean, they were the best in the league at valuing the football. Well, I know it was early in his career and he was young, but Smith turns the ball over a lot over his career and came in and threw a pick, you know, to kind of end the game last week for them. So he did, that's a key. Lockett fell down, Tyler Lockett. Yeah, and um, they were forced to throw, and he was in a tough situation. Was, I'm not blaming him. Yeah. yeah, right. I thought he looked good. I thought he, he did. Uh, I thought he showed command of the offense just in terms of running the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not talking about, you know, did he make the right reads and all mm-hmm. that stuff, but he did – he targeted seven different players. He completed passes to six of them. Mm-hmm. He stepped up in the blitzes. He didn't panic. Uh, he threw on bootlegs, rolling out on the run, uh, scrambled when he had to, and I thought he delivered the ball, man. He was throwing with purpose. Yeah, yeah, he showed up very, very well. And you, you, I guess this can work both ways. The Steelers get you know a whole week to prepare for him. But I think it's a big deal, and especially on the other side of the ball, that Seattle has that extra long week after playing on a Thursday night give him 10 days of, you know, kind of catering things to him. And I mentioned the defense. If I were Pete Carroll, I'd walk in the defensive staff room and say, we got 10 days to do something different because this sure isn't working. But we'll get to the defense, I'm sure, here sooner than later. But yeah, let's it's, get to it's, it. It's, it's brutal. Let's uh, touch on it right now because it's given up uh, more than 450 yards in four consecutive games. I didn't yeah. verify this. I'm told the NFL record is five. I've, I think it's the most since like 1950 or something I mean, like it's, that. It's, it's historically it's unbelievably bad. Unbelievably bad. Yeah. 532 yards to Tennessee, 453 to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You like that? <laughs> 457 to San Francisco and 476 to the Raiders. Robert Woods, wide receiver, caught 12 balls on 14 targets for 150 yards, and they were all over. Equal opportunity exploiter. I mean, oh yeah, over yeah. the middle, sideline, deep, short. They do whatever Wherever they wanted want. with him. Yeah, I mean, schematically, there's. A, I mean, this is a long conversation. People will think that they're the old Legion of Boom cover three. They're really not, but they're a pretty static defense in that they play a lot of zone. They rotate a lot of defensive linemen in, but none of them are stars. Hopefully, the Steelers won't run any more of those man beaters. against the zone zone or adapt on the fly or whatever their corner position is really really poor that's the biggest weakness of the team you'll see a lot of five-man fronts that basically look like a three four with Wagner and uh and Brooks as the two linebackers that never leave the field and then the use of Jamal Adams is really bizarre because they gave up two first round picks and then a ton of money in a contract to use this guy and I know he's a household name, and people think he's a great player, and in a way, he is. He's unbelievably disruptive. He's physical. He's a playmaker, but he's not a very good coverage player. Like you and can't they're play. using him in coverage. Yes, he had he had nine and a half sacks he, last year. He has none this year. I read this little nugget today too. He's averaging 
it's either five or six fewer pass rush opportunities per game. And he's really their best pass rusher. I know he's a safety, and that sounds crazy. Um, so he's not even playing near the line of scrimmage that much. And it's really nullifying what he does well. It, it makes little sense to me. Yeah, he's not a good cover guy. No, he, he's, he's not. He's not a good cover guy. He has uh, one career interception. Best thing I could say about uh, the one corner, DJ Reed, number two, he seems to be right there every time the guy makes the catch. And people aren't afraid to throw at him, and he's always on the field. Yeah. But, but I mean, yeah, he, he, he makes a tackle he's and he's not close. He's beat by three feet. <laughs> right, he's right there. Right, but right. The guy always catches the ball. <laughs> I think, you know, you look at this defense and they've invested in it. But the, uh, the investments are not paying off. L.J. Collier, first-round pick in 2019. Yeah, doesn't third, do much at all. Third yeah. on the depth chart at defensive end. Can't get on the field. Uh, Jordan Brooks, uh, the linebacker you mentioned, first-rounder mm -hmm. in 20. Not a great cover guy and, no. and kind of struggles against the run. Yeah, right. I mean, he tested well, and maybe he turns into something. And I thought they drafted him to be Bobby Wagner's sidekick and then eventual replacement. He's not... Close to Bobby Wagner. I mean, Wagner's still playing well. We need to mention him. He's far and away their best defensive player. I think he's one of the best linebackers of this generation and going to the Hall of Fame. But the, those around him do not stand out at all. Yeah, one pick that's uh, paying off a little bit, uh, number 52, Daryl Taylor, outside linebacker. He's a good player. Rotates in uh, to pass rush. Second rounder last year who did not play the entirety of the season. Mm -hmm. Uh, non-football injury, right? And uh, four sacks for the Seahawks. He's the only guy with more than one sack. Only guy, with, yeah. And they use a lot. If you look at their whole defensive line, like their snap counts, it's like eight to ten guys that have all played over a hundred snaps or something like that. They just keep rotating them in like hockey lines. He's definitely the best. He's a pure edge guy, very athletic. Um, but they drop him into coverage a fair amount too. Like, here's a little nugget too. Like they they. They call themselves a 4-3, and they did last year, but they would take K.J. Wright and walk him down on the line of scrimmage, usually over the tight end. So you have a five-man front, which basically is a 3-4. So they didn't bring back K.J. Wright, and they have a bunch of defensive ends doing the K.J. Wright thing now. But now they're asking defensive ends to drop into coverage Cover. like Steeler outside linebackers. So uh, I don't know whether to cry or whine my watch about that. You know I mean? It's, it's strange. You mentioned the Seahawks aren't turning the ball over. Uh, just uh, the two interceptions. One, Wilson had a tip pick before he got hurt mm -hmm. against the Rams, and then Smith threw one at the end. They've only lost one fumble. And yet, Matt, they are averaging uh, – some things don't add up here. Their time of possession is 24 minutes and 50 seconds a game on the average. The most remarkable thing about this team is along those lines, by far they run the fewest plays per game in the league. And you would think, okay, maybe they're playing really slow and just want to sh shorten the game. They're really not. Like, if you look at when they have the football, they play at an average pace, not slow, not fast. They just don't run any snaps. I mean, they're way lower than the bottom of the league teams. And to make matters worse, and it always doesn't go this way, their defense is on the field for way more snaps than any other defense in the league. So uh, they've played like 100 more snaps of defense than they have offense. I mean, think about that over five games. I mean, 20 plays a game, you're just letting the other team out there. It's hard to win that way. And this despite their uh, their average of 4.5 yards per carry. Yeah, it's not bad. And Wilson was averaging 9.57 an attempt before yeah. he got hurt, which is outstanding. And Metcalf and Lockett are great players that get downfield, can attack at all levels, they're big playability. It's mind-boggling.
Yeah, and uh, it's 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 adding up to disaster in second halves. The Seahawks are getting outscored in third quarters and in fourth quarters. Um, the the Rams game, they tried to come back, but uh, every time they got close, the Rams got another score to mm-hmm. to stretch the it out. Do their end of the bargain, and you know. It only adds up. You're on the field too much. Yeah. So uh, you've got you've got skill. You've got a question at quarterback, and would you say an okay offensive line? Yeah, I would say it's an okay offensive. Not line. the worst one we've seen, but not great. No, Dwayne Brown's still playing well, but he's up in age. He traded for Gabe Jackson. He's a decent player still, but it's not you know end right home about. And defensively, you have uh, a lot of the problems we just uh, assessed. A lot of older guys who are either being miscast or fading. A lot of young guys who have not yet done what they were brought to Seattle to do. And uh, that's led, uh, that's added up, I should say, to two and three for the Seahawks. Uh, checking them off as they go by here. 28-16 over Indy for openers. Lost 33-30 to uh, to Tennessee in overtime. Uh, lost to the Vikings 30-17. to Beat the Niners 28-21. And then a week ago tonight, 26-17. Lost to the Rams. Uh, you do have to give punter Michael Dixon credit because he's I, an interesting player. Yeah, I don't know about you, but uh, I had no idea you're allowed to punt the ball twice. Oh, how about that? Move? As long yeah. as it's behind the line of scrimmage. I learned that that night, and as it well. didn't go over the line of scrimmage and then so bounced you do back. It again. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know anything about that rule. I, I'm not sure if he did either, but might as well punt it. Seemed like he did. Yeah, uh, I mean he got his heel right on the line there. It didn't go too far. <laughs> uh, that was uh, our old buddy from the Steelers blocking the punt for the Rams. Jameer Jones. Oh, yeah, right. And he chased the ball down, picked it up, and kicked it again. He's also very good at getting the ball inside the 20. Uh, he's a very interesting punter in general. I know we don't spend a ton of time on punters, but he had he's all kinds of trick shots, and he has a huge leg, and he was actually one of the punters that was drafted and has lived up to it. Steelers coming off a uh, had-to-have-it win over Denver. Uh, were you encouraged that the defense was able to play well for long stretches, play well situationally, and then – Make the play it had to make at the end, or uh, did it give you pause that they gave up uh, what they gave up in the fourth quarter? Both. I mean, one thing that really is becoming apparent to me that is not Steeler-centric, fourth quarter defense in the NFL is kind of dead. I mean, any game you watch, the defense is tired quicker, it seems, than ever. And more than ever, just if you're on the field that long, the offense learns your checks and, you know, go-to coverages and starts tearing you up. So that's something I think people just have to become accustomed to. The league has changed dramatically. I think fourth quarter defense is close to be, is almost extinct. However, in that building with the lead, I wanted to see the pass rush close out the game. You know, that's that should be the strength of this team. And maybe Watt's not quite himself. Highsmith's not quite himself. Cam's played a ton of snaps. But that's a situation we've been begging for for two years now. A loud stadium with a team that has to throw. I went to see the pass rush close it out. You know, it was interesting uh, seeing T.J. Watt after the game. Uh, I know one play for sure late in the game on that last Denver drive, he was convinced he had been held, and he was going crazy yelling Mm -hmm. at the referee. Uh, to no avail, of course. Right, right, right. And then in the post game, he was perturbed. Really, I mean, he was biting off his words, and, and I'm going to say short, yeah. short answers. Normally, he doesn't give long answers, mm-hmm. but you didn't hear any of that. Well, hey, we won. That's all that matters. It, it was frustration. We got to go look at the tape and check it out, and that that kind of okay kind of thing. Um, I mean, it's they tried the three outside linebackers on the field at once to generate some pressure. Didn't mm-hmm. work. What's next? 
I don't know. Um, I do think Watt and Highsmith are only getting healthier, and I thought Watt looked better in this game than he did two weeks ago. Um, Highsmith doesn't look like he has that same really good get-off that he, he had early, uh, hoping that comes back, or at least after the bye comes back. Uh, as we talked about earlier, I'm a little worried about Ingram playing so many snaps, but I, I've been calling for the day they signed him. I remember being on the air saying, hey, they used to use him a lot, even as a NASCAR defensive tackle, you know, down lineman at times. And I think that's something that could be in the future as well. NASCAR being the scouting parlance for speed rusher. Yeah, I mean, four defensive ends on the field basically yeah. rushing from up, you know. Um, but the problem to me, and it's not really a problem, it's just Cam Hayward is like carrying the weight of the defense on his, his shoulders, it seems. You know, and his they, neck apparently has been his battling neck, apparently. that. I mean, it, so it doesn't look like, you know, uh, help is on the horizon for this game for sure. Um, but they're a little lean with their big people, too. All the more reason you got to find a way to get through this one, right? And yeah. Get Be, some of these guys healthier. Get through the win. Relax. Get back to that Buffalo defense. Mm -hmm. um, what, that would last be time it was healthy, last time it looked lights out, right? Well, yeah. early in the Raiders game, and then they started losing guys. Tyson Alualu and mm -hmm. T.J. Watt and, and on down the line. But uh, I don't know about you, but I do think Bush played a really good game, and I think Bush and Schobert – are starting to really gel together from playing together. You know, I mean that their 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 coverages are better, their understanding of route concepts looks better, and then he got hurt. I like both of those guys. Yeah. And uh I like them both enough that uh, I can't uh for the life of me figure out why they played Robert Spillane as the dime backer when the three outside guys were on the field. Oh okay. and they took Schobert and Bush off the field on purpose at, yeah. at times. At times that was the package. I mean I don't know. I guess I'd have to be in a meeting room or practice to figure out what the logic is behind that because that doesn't add up to me. I mean, maybe it's we don't have enough beef on the field, so we want a downhill thumper or linebacker, but it's not like the other two, two can't do that. I, I don't know. It's a good question. When we come back, we'll be joined by the third member of our team, Merrill Hodge. Merrill joins us each and every Thursday night as we get you ready for the Steelers' upcoming opponent, in this case the Seattle Seahawks minus Russell Wilson on Sunday night at Heinz Field. We're going to be here until 8 o'clock tonight, so keep it here with Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Pursuta. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you till 8 o'clock tonight on DVE and SNR. Getting ready for the Steelers and the Seahawks. Sunday night time now to welcome the third member of our team to the show, Merrill Hodge, joining us as he does every Thursday. Merrill, how's it going tonight? Boys, I'm in Johnstown, about ready to speak to some Boy Scouts, Eagle Scouts of America. So, hey, I'm a Pitt Johnstown grad. Hey! Show, show you some local watering holes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna throw your name around here, then, brother. <laughs> if, you, if you do, they're not gonna invite you back. Right, I wouldn't uh, do that. Merrill, we count on uh, you for a lot of nuts and bolts and X's and O's, but I wanted to kind of dive a little deeper tonight to start things out. Uh, guys get hurt all the time in football, and you, you know, next man up, and you play with who you have and all that stuff. But it's not too many times you have to play when you don't have the quarterback who started 149 consecutive games for your team, 165 straight, including playoffs. Uh, other than Tom Brady with the Patriots, I can't think of a guy more identifiable with a franchise than Russell Wilson. 
And I get that he got hurt last week and the Seahawks kept playing anyway, but now they've had some time to think about it. What are they thinking right about now? Well, listen, you've, you've lost a lot of what you are, are built on. You know, um, his ability to make plays, okay, that's going to be gone. Um, that takes an enormous burden off your defense. Um, he's an excellent deep ball thrower. So the, the entire field is always threatened by him. Um, now, Gino can make some deep throws. Um, that's, that's not where his strength lies. Um, but when you think of just those two components, you know, and then a guy who gets the ball out quick, it is, has, it just has a savvy of the position, you know, and he's really evolved, you know, from coming from Wisconsin. I remember watching him, studying him before he came out. I'm, um, I'll just tell you a quick story. ESPN sent me, um, they go, hey, this, uh, I was going to interview Sports Center, and they're like, hey, this, this guy's coming on everybody's radar. Could you look at him? So I is Russell Wilson. So I get the tape out, look at three games. And I looked in the first series, I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy can play. I can't remember the quarterbacks that were coming out this that year, but they're all terrible. They're, this guy was better than those guys. I can't remember. And one was USC. Shoot, Geno might have been one of them. I think he was. Might. That's the luck okay. RG three year. And then not much okay. after that. Right. So um I was like, Holy cow, this cat can play. So I, I get my announce, I get my plays, I send them in. And they're like, they send me back a note. Hey, you know he's 5'10"? I'm like, uh, well, you didn't ask me how tall he was. That, that wasn't what you asked me. You asked me if he could play. <laughs> okay? I, I don't care if he's 5'10". The guy can play. Now, if you wanted to know his height, you should have told me that and asked me. I didn't know we were playing the NBA. The guy can play. That's all I know. When you look at all of the things that you want to see from college perspective that I look for, I'm like, this cat can play. So anyway, um, and he's that's you know, and he's just another example of you know transitioning to the National Football League. You know, the the ball would come out; it was accurate. It was good, quick decisions, and just all the things that you need to see. That's why I went in and you know stole the show there. Yeah, he did that exact same thing. He's a student of the game, and just those little nuances, you know, they're not going to get. Now, Najino's a, a, a good backup. But he's he's in the backup role for a position. He's been there for a long time for a reason. Um, so that takes an enormous burden. But you know, by no stretch of the imagination can you go to sleep now. You know, you know, still can make some throws and do enough damage that if you think, oh, you know, we're, this is a lot easier on us. We don't got to play, you know, the way we need to play. You actually need to play the way you would think if Russell Wilson is playing, and then you can eliminate this team. Quite honestly, that's the mindset you have to have. You can't sit there and go, oh, this will be easier because. Um, that's how you. That's how you get beat by a guy like Gino. It's kind of along the lines of what I wanted to ask you, and I know you weren't a defensive player, but how do you? If you're the Steelers' defensive staff, how do you? Do you have any insight on how you prepare for a quarterback that hasn't started since 2017? I mean, I'm sure you have pro scouting reports on the guy. You watched some some tape from last week in preseason, but it's got to be a little bit of an unknown. Well, I, actually, I don't think so. I, I think he's he's very well known. It's very clear. It's very simple. Um, Gino is a guy who has a history of this. He was like this in West Virginia. Okay, coming out. If you put him in enough tough spots, enough critical moments, he's going to give you the ball. Mm-hmm. And that is when he he doesn't perform at his best. Now, can he make some throws? You'd be like, holy cow, holy cow. Then you put him in a real tough spot, third and five, third and seven, third and six, third and two. 
a different guy. He is, he was like that in West Virginia. I remember when I was studying coming out. Um, if you remember, he threw for like over 500 yards against Baylor, I think it was. And uh, everybody, right after he threw out 500 yards at Baylor, oh, he's a first-round pick. He's like, I'm like, well, I mean, I've seen somebody throw for 500 yards and never throw the ball further than five yards past the line of scrimmage. You know, where guys take it 80, you know, in college, that can happen. And so I went, I remember when I was looking at Gene, like, that was the first game I went to look at. I think 386 of his, 86 of his 500 and some yards were on like four plays. In fact, one of them was a busted coverage. Is about big plays. Yeah, oh, big play. Now listen, you know, I, if I would have stopped this play when the receiver's catching it, you would have thought it was a punt return. He was literally standing <laughs> at the goal line because I mean, the ball was, he had to throw the ball so far. They busted all kinds of coverage. They threw a slant to like 65. I, I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, well, first of all, That'll never probably happen again in college, and it ain't happening in the National Football League ever. And then, you know, then the next game I put in was Iowa. Critical down, third and five. Man, he had to make a throw, got the guy wide open. That thing goes up in the, goes up in the stands. And then the more you watched him, every time, like, critical moments, you would see it. Now, Jets drafting. Steelers go up there to play. They get Troy Polamalu. They get him on a hard run fake. They got a post over the top of him, touchdown. He overthrows him. So you do that's his history. He's he's always been like that. And I just believe if you go in there, you 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 respect that he listen, he's a good quarterback. But the more times we put him in critical situations, the bigger chance he's gonna fail. And we're gonna have opportunities. And you gotta know that about a guy, and you gotta be honest about a guy. Um, and I just, I, I, so I think even though he hasn't played, you have plenty of history on him. You know exactly who he is, and you need to play it like that. You know, and put him in as many tough spots as you can, critical downs, and see if he can, if he can make you make those plays. He hasn't in his career, so um, let's let's put him in those spots to see if he can handle it now. And he hasn't played for a long time, which makes it even harder. Merrill, I'd never equate uh, a wide receiver with a franchise quarterback, but the Steelers. Uh, reeling a bit, uh, not having Juju Smith-Schuster the rest of the way. Uh, really strong comments yesterday from Ben Roethlisberger and today from Matt Canada. Talking as much about the inspiration and the leadership and the emotion and the energy that Smith-Schuster provides as, as the on-field production. Uh, are you overstating it a little bit? Uh, is this a concern or is this a, a disappointing development that can be worked around? Well, let me just um, maybe help fans truly appreciate. I think people love Juju, you know, as a whole, he, because of his energy, his love for the game. And I don't know if people truly appreciate his love for the game. I know he kind of manifests manifest that. But here's a guy you know that loves the game. Okay, every week that we've ever talked about the running game, who I always mention is the most consistent blocker. Yep, every time. Juju. I mean, the guy does dirty work. The guy goes and does all the things that are not going to be the, on the highlight reel. And here's what that does. Okay, you just heard Ben talk and Ken. I don't know what they said, but I can just I just know from a, a teammate perspective, when I go in and watch the tape on Monday and I see Juju play, I love that guy. That I love him. I'm glad I'm I'm glad he's my teammate. I want to be better because the way Juju plays. So. When, when you lose that, that you, you you know you don't replace that. 
you know that that's a blow you know um a significant one a significant one a significant one at that so um you know you you, you hopefully that the wide receivers that you know because there's a lot of wide receivers that are on this roster that go in there and give it a two-hand touch and you know they, they mess around delicately and let's some mcleod i mean mcleod last week had it i mean there were some guys that went in there as wide receivers and dug people out, you know, and it made a difference in the running game. You know, so hopefully, you know, his example will will, will permeate in that group, you know, and they'll, they'll do a better job The guys who haven't been good run blockers. Because, listen, being a good run blocker, I am telling you this, 90% of it is just being a willing participant. Okay, You're, you're just your, the will to go in there and try and hit people and do your very best. You know, yes, there are techniques to go along with it, absolutely, but you at least got to be a willing participant. If you can't get that far, then you're irrelevant. irrelevant. So, you know, maybe that group will will elevate their, their play from that perspective, all the dirty work that Juju did and all the things that matter and make the difference on plays. You know, they'll pick that up and be better in that area to offset this loss. Mero, I, I thought Claypool, Chase Claypool, was a very good blocker at Notre Dame, and he's frankly been a little disappointing to me at this level. And it looked like, I mean, and this is adjusting on the fly when Juju got hurt, that he's going to kick into the slot, or at least he did last week, and he was productive there, and he brings a different element with his size. Any takes yeah. on him as the, not the Juju replacement, but being more of a slot option? Yeah, well, here's the one thing that he did have coming from Notre Dame that, you know, I, I, I loved about him. I mean, actually saw it last year. Shoot, I can't remember the the one guy. Who did they play? I can't remember who it was. I think one of his first touchdowns he had, they played him in the slot. Anyway, going back to Notre Dame, the one thing I, that struck me that I loved is he played everywhere, strong side, weak side, slot. Now, that, that a lot of guys can do that. A lot of guys don't want to do that. There's, a lot of guys don't want to play in the slot. Now, I understand the slot because I played there – coming out of the backfield you play there it's harder to catch the ball in that area because the ball you, you you may not see the ball till the last second because of where it comes from and the traffic that's in there and you also get hit by linebackers and defensive linemen and well i was going there next yeah. I, the, the people <laughs> the people that are there are a lot bigger than the people out there <laughs> right they're right. pushing like, out of bounds so yeah. right so it's a you know it's a different world in there um and that's why a lot of guys don't like to play there he has played there he can show he's played there um to your comment about him blocking. I mean, he's been one of those guys that goes in there and puts two hands on somebody and, you know, tries to get out of the way. And that's just unacceptable. That's just not being a true teammate or, and a real professional. Um, so that's what I'm saying and getting at, hopefully taking on that role. Um, he can be the kind, he'll go in there and do a better job in that perspective too. Not just a slot. I know he plays a slot. And he's a mismatch guy there and he, he can really, he'll do some damage there. Catching it, can he do some of the damage that Juju was doing that's not going to get recognized on the highlight reel. Merrill, I've been uh, saying what I'm about to say for four consecutive weeks, every week after Buffalo. I look at the team the Steelers are playing, and I see a team Pat Fryermuth can exploit. <laughs> Do you think they'll ever see, see the same thing? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm sure they will. You know, listen, I, I one thing I think that um, – what has happened and why they maybe haven't gotten to to your your desire there is there were other things that were bigger issues. You know, if it was just, hey, let's look at the tight end, everything gets solved, well, shoot, I think they do that. 
until that offensive line could, you know, create some type of chemistry and get something going with some confidence, it's hard to grow your offense. It is really hard. Now, they made some growth. I mean, well, how their first play last week, I was like, okay, I, I watched a hundred times. I was like, I ain't seen it for a month. They, how they played, how they worked together, people were accounted for, and they moved people. They gave their back a chance, you know, and they did that. There's only a few times they had some, some bust, and that was really on the center. And and some of his play is just he's just playing too high. He's a young guy, and he's getting manhandled. All of that will get better, but as a group. They played so much better. So, what if they continue to do that, you know, and they turn, they then they take that momentum from that perspective? Then I I don't think there's any question that your your tight end can get more involved. Shoot, not having Juju now, if there's a guy who can control the middle of the field. Well, this this is a great opportunity. You've talked about wide receivers. Let's not forget the tight end group is a part of this. And I think that you know with the the lack of Juju in this lineup, also my allow these tie, the tight end position to be highlighted as well. Merrill, you mentioned the offensive line, and uh, I couldn't agree more that they're getting off the football and moving bodies better, and some of that even goes back to the Green Bay game. But I'm curious, do you agree that there's fewer mistakes, fewer busts, better communication, better continuity than there's been early in the year? Very few. Yeah. Very few. I saw very few last week. You know, I mean, there's like a handful maybe six, which is way too much, as you anybody would know in football. That's, that's way too much in um, in any uh, – at this level of football, let's put it this way, way too much. Um, I, I'm trying to recount every run. I don't think I saw one. If there was, it's maybe one. Which, listen, that's reasonable. You know, even the greatest running games would do that. So that is – and so that's self-inflicted. So that's like a third of their problem the first time. Then the other third was just – just how poorly the, the technique was being applied. You know, that was really gotten a lot better. So, you know, two-thirds have gotten a lot better. Ironically, you got to see that uh, that result, you know, and if they can keep – and they, they really simplified things, too. They didn't deviate far from – they ran a lot of inside zone, and, and that was it, you know. I mean, what did they do? Sprinkle a drawing and a pitch play? Yes. I mean, there was a few others. Well, I believe it's a counter in there as well. But they just – listen, if you're doing something well, keep doing it, and you take a load off them too about not trying to do too many runs and be too cute so going back to how you can build now you've done that well let's build this week maybe do a couple other runs that um offset what we have been doing that help our running game as a whole so would you expect having seen what you saw against denver it's going to be competent the rest of the way and maybe grow toward capable and and we're not going to see what we saw in september the two and three guys getting penetration and the plays getting blown right. up before they start and Ben Roethlisberger under siege. Yeah. Well, you know, you can always, um, here's what you got from last week. Okay. You know, you can do it. Now, listen, every opponent's different, you know, you know, it's different challenges. There's better fronts than you're going to see, uh, than Denver has. So you're going to have bigger challenges, but listen, from what you saw last week, you know, and if you can put another week together, just that confidence overall, gives you hope for that and you know this front's not what it was like seattle had in the past but they you know they got a couple of tanks in the middle you know that's like you know green you know green's guy's hands full because they they've seen him play out of position play too high and they'll challenge that you know they'll try to create matchups on him as much as they can and try to win those matchups and they blew some runs up denver did 
you know, because of that. So, you know, that would be a challenge for him to play better, better leverage. So they can't do that because everybody's going to try that, you know, each and every week, you know, um, but they'll go out of their way to try it a little more when they know a guy um, is struggling in that area until he shows he can play better at it. Merrill, last segment, Mike and I were talking about how the, the end of the game, we got a little frightening for the Steelers and I've kind of come to the, I'm starting to kick it around that fourth quarter defense is quickly dying in the NFL. Is that something you agree with? I mean, man, it doesn't matter what game it is, but it's never over anymore. It's, it's everywhere. I mean, there's no – that's something what I've loved about, I loved about the NFL that makes it so much different than every level of football is just the parity. And I don't care. Listen, I'll tell you a team that is flat right dangerous – they are a good football team. Don't say do Jacksonville. Do they? I'm not. No, I'm not going to say that. Um, they're not quite. They don't have an explosive element to their offense, but man, they are. They run the ball. They're committed to it. They're good at it. They have a good short to intermediate passing game. Um, defensively, they are. They got no guy that you would say, "Hey, that's a household name or a big world beater." Playing great defense. And have done so many, have gotten beaten in so many self-inflicted ways. It's crazy. Is Detroit? Hmm. Detroit's like, like you do not line up to Detroit and think, oh, they're the Detroit Lions. You think of their history. You better be ready to play those boys. They play hard. I mean, they're coming at you. Even the way they and the way they run, the commitment to their run and how they play. They're on their defensive line. How they played. I mean, I because they play. You know, they play Detroit here in a few weeks. Yeah. And um, that you know that would be a team. You know, that's. That's what I'm saying. This league, just because you're all oh, your own five, they're not good. Well, really? Maybe, maybe you want to play them then. I'm just telling you, that's what I love. It doesn't matter what their record is. They're NFL players. They're NFL teams. They're well, they got good players. They got good coaches. And and you better be ready. You better be ready to play every Sunday. Merrill, that sounds like good advice for the Boy Scouts. We'll let you uh, get at that. <laughs> I, th- I think right, actually, I think they beat you to that. Their their motto's already be prepared, right? That's right. That's I was a scout. I wasn't good enough to be an Eagle Scout, but I was a scout. Stay away from the lobster could, trap if you're there. Yeah, I don't well, recommend. I can, it. I can build. I I can build a mean fire for you though, without <laughs> a match. <laughs> great stuff, Merrill. We'll do it uh, in a couple of weeks after the bye. You got it, guys. Have a great night. Go Steelers. Merrill Hodge, uh, as he. Always does coming at us on Thursday night in advance of Sunday's hosting of Seattle. You know, the Lions' scores would bear out what he's saying. They lost two games on field goals from yeah. downtown at the very end. I mean, it's brutal. They play hard. They may not be winning uh, in Detroit or wherever they're playing, but they're winning in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, they absolutely are. They are the backdoor cover masters, too. They just keep coming. Matt and I uh, have one more segment to go. We're going to be here until 8 o'clock tonight, as we always are, so keep it here when we come back from break. We'll put a bow on it. Until then, for Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE. Back to the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you until 8 o'clock tonight, getting you ready for... The Steelers hosting the Seahawks Sunday night. Matt, before we get out of here, I was curious to get your interpretation of the Ben Roethlisberger-Matt Canada marriage. Uh, we've talked a lot on the pregame shows on the Steelers radio network about how there had been a disconnect there. The offense eventually uh, degenerated into dysfunction. Mm-hmm. But it worked against Denver, and afterward, Ben Roethlisberger said there were a lot of RPOs. And I ran the ball a lot on those RPOs. 
And he also was careful to give Matt Canada credit for a couple of his play calls. Does Roethlisberger have enough control with the RPO game where he can feel like he's influencing the game on the field pre-snap and using his intellect and his intuition and his understanding? Yeah. And does that make him feel more like himself and make him play better? That's not, it's not an easy thing to answer, but I have a take on it in that for those that don't about. know, <laughs> RPO is run-pass option. Well, this team runs a lot of RPOs. I mean, compared to the rest of the league, they're probably on the higher end of the spectrum. But generally, Ben has owed to the P. And <laughs> I, I think, and this is just a hunch, that somebody sat down Ben and said, let's do a little less O and a lot more R. You know, and because there was a lot of these RPOs where as soon as the ball hit his hands, he was handing it off. You know, it wasn't like I'm going to read this linebacker. I mean, it sure felt like it was run from the start, even if half the line's run blocking and half the line's pass blocking, which is often an indicator with RPOs. So I'm not saying they took some of the O away from Ben, but maybe they convinced him, let's stick with the R for this game. And maybe in turn he felt a little like, hey, this is working. I have an option. I'm getting hit less. You know, I mean, yeah, it's working. I'm getting ahead of the chains. Right. I'm not doing this because they told me to. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. Right. And maybe it conveys to you guys that I had all these options and I decided to run it. I I don't know. Did you hear Bill Cowher flip out a little bit? uh, I heard he did, but I didn't hear what he said. Basically, you know, if Ben wants to run, no huddle, let him run it. And, you know, let Ben be Ben. And uh, it makes sense. These these transitions are are usually never without their bumps. I mean, there's certainly the old dog, new trick routine. Yeah. And, hey, I've been pretty successful for many years. Um, why would I change now? But then there's a big picture thinking of, well, hey, this we brought is the this, way the league's going. And we and brought and, this guy in for a reason, and it didn't work last year. Right, right. Do you and, feel like they've kind of turned a little bit of a corner? Yeah. I mean, they're far from out of the woods. But just the fact, like what Merrill was talking about, they're coming off the ball better the line looks like they've simplified things. That has nothing to do with the motion and all the stuff pre-snap. It's just simpler straight-ahead run plays. And that should make the quarterback play better. And it should have a ripple-down effect. If he plays better, then the coordinator's going to look better, and then there's going to be less tension, and, <laughs> and then, then more stuff's going to work. And then, yeah. Right, right, and winning cures all, we, you know, we without have, question. We have seen it before. Uh, gut feel uh, Sunday night. I like their chances big in this one. And really, it's not a Steelers have turned the corner thing. I think Seattle's a pretty darn bad team without Wilson. Fair bad enough. Yeah, I bad mean, just defense. to be honest. Bad defense with Wilson. Awful defense with Wilson, and he cured a lot, and, and Geno's fine, but it's not the same. Would you still feel good at 3-3, three and three, even if it's beating a bad Seahawks team? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the bye comes at a wonderful time, and go heal and try to figure out some more things and you know go into the bye with a win. That would be great. Yeah, this is how it works in the NFL. You know, it's not just who you play and where, it's when. Absolutely. And you have to play him with what you have available. And, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin has always said, uh, don't talk about your problems because people either don't want to hear it or they're glad you have them. And <laughs> Good point, yeah. A couple years ago, the Steelers didn't have their quarterback. Now the Seahawks, the Seahawks, excuse me, don't have theirs. Yeah, nobody cares. We'll see how it works out for Seattle. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to Merrill for jumping on, as he always does. Thanks to... Shirtless Tom for keeping things uh, running seamlessly behind the glass and on the air. And thank you for finding us uh, wherever and however you did. No show next week because it's the bye week, but we will be back next game week. Until then, for Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. This has been Steelers Preview on your Steelers flagship 102.5 DVE and SNR. Good night, everyone.